Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Corey Rosen, and you're listening to The Story Podcast. Today, I have on a super awesome guest, Mr. Colt Wilbur. Colt Wilbur is a south-central Pennsylvania-based artist operating in country, rock and roll, bluegrass, and folk. The Colt Wilbur Band came to life in 2013 and has been performing all throughout Pennsylvania, Maryland, Tennessee, Florida, and every dive bar and dance hall in between. They've been fortunate enough to share the stage with many national artists and heroes alike, and heading into the 2023 season with a brand new record and their first official music video, Pretty Big Deal, released in March 2023. It, along with 2015's release, Heart of Stone, is available on Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon, and every major streaming platform. Colt, how you doing today? I'm doing good, Corey. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. So, you've uh, you got a band now. I want to know where it all first started for you. Uh, when did you when did the music bug bite you oh man uh that's kind of tough to say because i uh whenever i was younger like back in the day i'm gonna date myself here too so like back in the day i'm the youngest of three and my brother had napster and kazaa and all sorts of stuff and we it was the days where you had one computer tower in the house and you couldn't be on the computer if you were expecting a phone call you know those kind of days and uh my brother would you know download music and I remember going to sit in front of the computer a lot and they usually used to have those visual changers. I don't know what they were, but like you turn on a song and then you could hit kind of like, it, like a screensaver, if you would, it would just do random stuff to the music. And I remember sitting and just really enjoying music and I'd always had a, a Walkman, another thing dating me <laughs> and a big case of CDs with all sorts of different stuff, you know, ranging from country to rock and roll to metal. And yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I was really into music when I was younger, and I don't think I started playing guitar till I was probably, I don't know, 11 or 12, maybe. Maybe that's somewhere in there. And then that's when I started really getting into music then. So what made you pick up a guitar? I just thought they looked cool, man. <laughs> and I mean, there wasn't... There was a uh, store on Main Street in Mechanicsburg, and my family has a plumbing and heating business. And as a kid, riding around in the back seat going up down main street to go to and from our house in this plumbing and heating business that i'd always pass this music shop and i'd always remember just looking into the glass window and just seeing all these guitars hanging and uh when i got older and i'd stay in my grandma's in town she would let me go out on my bike or my skateboard or whatever i had and i'd always find myself in that music store just wandering in and i i know they probably got sick of me because i remember one time getting yelled at because i put fingerprints on a guitar for some mm-hmm. reason but i don't know i was just really curious and uh it was about one of the birthdays. I'm, I think oh, I was 10 is whenever I started now that I think about it. But it was one of those birthdays you have growing up as a kid where you stop getting presents as toys and you start getting money. It's like, well, what do I do with this? And uh, I think that year I had about $95 that was given to me through my birthday. And I told my parents, like, I want to get into playing guitar. So they took me there. And, um, of course, I wanted some, you know, really cool pointy looking guitar that didn't make any sense for me to have but i ended up getting an acoustic guitar and uh started from there so so where'd you start from did you go to lessons or i did i uh i took lessons at that store um it was pretty neat but i mean it was also a very classical method so i was learning out of these what they call the mel bay books so you were you were learning how to read music and um only going like one string at a time learning your first chord positions and you know, me being a little young and naive, I was sitting there and after a little while of doing it, I became a little discouraged because I was like, man, this is, this is kind of boring. Like I'm listening to 
ACDC and Metallica on the way to my lessons and then learning how to play like Three Wise Men or like Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. I'm just bummed yeah. out. <laughs> so I'm like, I want to do what Angus Young's doing. I want to do, you know, that kind of stuff. And uh, so eventually I did quit taking lessons and uh, put the guitar down for a while. And I met some guys later in middle school that were also guitar players. And whenever they started playing, they started playing songs that I knew. They played riffs um, and parts of songs that I knew. And I was just really drawn to that. And they explained what guitar tabs were and other things. So I went home, I dusted off the guitar and picked it up again and started playing. And for, I don't know, a couple of years there, I taught myself, you know, a lot how to play. And it was just, you know, looking up different songs that, you liked whether it be the solos or riffs or chords and you know the more you spend time doing that the, your fingers get stronger you get familiar with things and it was just a matter of repetition i mean i think that you do anything long enough you get good at it so yeah right but yeah i, I got to a point to where i was you know doing pretty decent on guitar and um then i wanted to take lessons again but i didn't want to go back to the classical thing you know at that point so i actually found one of your guests you had on eric Worsing. Uh, he was teaching then in Lemoyne, and Eric is hands down probably one of the best guitar players I've ever just seen in my life. I mean, he's just so so talented and so knowledgeable when it comes to music. I mean, and and it's not just you know right now Eric's performing as some people may know in a Rush tribute band. It's called Solar Federation, but Eric is so fluent in so many different genres of you know jazz and blues and fusion and you know rock and. Uh, he was the perfect teacher for me because like I came into the first time and sat down with him and he's like, so what do you want to learn? And I'm like, well, I kind of like this, this and this. And he's like, oh, you like Van Halen? And he would, you know, play Van Halen. Van Halen. Yeah, <laughs> like note for note, like perfect. And uh, so we learned a lot of that kind of stuff. But Eric really, uh, I guess, sharpened me, I guess, if you would, as a guitar player, um, just learned stuff from him. Made how, it fun. How long did that last for? Oh, geez. Uh I don't know, probably two, three years or so. And um, Eric was, you know, showing me a lot of stuff that I wanted to learn and guitar players and also expanding my mind in music theory so I could understand how music worked and why guys did what they did and where they did it. Um, yeah, I was with him for about two, three years up through high school and then um, kind of stopped. I'm not sure looking back then why but i i don't know if eric moved to another place or what all ha had happened but i still keep in touch with eric and i know he uh he and julie are um, doing well and you know i saw him last year at the cpmas so which by the way congratulations thank on you your award much. sir <laughs> thank you very much man so um at what point did you start playing guitar like start making your own stuff on guitar was it during that time or well, growing up, I was in a high school band with just a bunch of friends playing loud music in your parents' basements, that kind of deal. Right. And we were doing a mixture of rock and metal. And I remember the one time we had a show. And back in those days, if you had a show, you only probably had two or three years of high school band, and it was a big deal. And I think um, we had a show doing some benefit somewhere. And our lead singer, one of my best friends, Ryan Sipe, uh, we'll just call him Sippy, that's his nickname, he got grounded for his grades. Oh, no. Yeah. So, like, and his dad said, boys, he can't play music anymore. He has to get his grades up or he's going to flunk out of school. You guys got to do something. And we didn't want to cancel this show because, like I said, we only had, like, two to three shows a year. And so we kind of looked amongst ourselves, like, man, what are we going to do? Are we going to try to find somebody? And 
I kind of stuck my hand up and said, I'll give singing a shot. I've never done it before. I've only ever played guitar. And, uh, but I can't do what he was doing because he was doing a lot of screaming and other kind of things that I've never been able to do. And, um, so we changed up the set list a little bit, kind of made like a rock set list and went in and played. And, uh, that really started my mind on, wow, I really enjoy this singing thing and playing guitar too. And then from there, I started kicking around the idea of writing songs and doing stuff like that. I might've been, I don't know, 16, 17 when that happened or so, but yeah. And so you, you mentioned yet that around that time you put down a guitar again. Uh, what did you do instead? Well, it was weird because like I said, you know, for most of my life up to that point, and especially just even when it came to listening to songs, I was only ever really interested in what the guitar player was doing, you know, mm -hmm. whether it be rock and roll or metal. And I grew up on country music. I mean, in my house, my family played a lot of, I mean, it was the 90s, 2000s. So it was like George Strait, Martina McBride, Brooks and Dunn. Uh, Revival of country. Yeah. Say. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've always loved that stuff. And my sister and mom would always tease me that, you know, you should play country. And I was like, those guys just strum chords. Like, that's boring. Mm. And uh, when I got into singing. Heresy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, like, when I got into singing and I started really looking at some of these songs and that coupled with my sister bringing around some music and my friends, older brothers bringing around music called Red Dirt, music out of Texas and the Midwest. It was country music, but it was country music like I've never heard before. Like it was very original. Um, it wasn't all that repetitive kind of stereotypical stuff that you probably pop. hear. No, like it was pretty straight up. And it was neat, too, because like Red Dirt wasn't just one sound or one genre. Like you could have bands like Jason Boland and the Stragglers who were like a diehard country band. I mean, they, they could hold the line with Buck Owens and everybody else. Or you had a band like Cross Canadian Ragweed, who was a rock and roll band. And it was still considered the same genre. It was just, I don't know, this different kind of genre. And that really interested me. But whenever I had found this kind of stuff, that kind of made me start listening to not only the singing, but the lyrics and the song. So mm. I stopped focusing on, you know, going a million miles an hour playing guitar and just, you know, focusing on what songs were about, what songs had to say. I got my first acoustic guitar and I was, you know, doing that whole thing. Um, so in that regard, yeah, I did kind of put down the, the guitar from a sense of just playing lead and just staying in that little bubble off to the side of the stage and taking on kind of a different role, if you would, or a different avenue of music, I guess. So did you decide to do uh, further ed education, like go to a college for, for your music or what happened? Yeah, no, I, uh, you know, that was something around that time in high school and, you know, you're trying to decide what you want to do for the rest of your life and you're going to go to college or if you're not going to go to college and man, I, I went to Shippensburg for like half a semester, like just barely long enough to get moved in and say, well, this was fun and turn around and come back. But um, it was just something that I figured I'd always kind of do to some capacity on my own. And, you know, if I wanted to learn more about something, I'd go try to find somebody that knew that. Or, I mean, mm -hmm. thankfully with the Internet, YouTube and everything else, I mean, you can really learn a lot, you know, about different styles of guitar playing or take lessons from some of the best guitar players in the world or that kind of stuff. And, uh, it was just kind of that kind of method of, you know, if I like this style of songwriting, I'm going to listen to this artist and I'm going to check out other artists like this person, or maybe who this artist listened to whenever they were mm -hmm. growing up. And you kind of get familiar with stuff in that, or at least I have in that way, more so like firsthand experience of just getting down in it instead of just sitting in a class or something. Right. No. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's definitely one of the better ways to learn is to get down deep into it 
yeah. yourself. Yeah. So when when do you think you started songwriting? I started that, I don't know, I might have been, it was probably at Shippensburg when I was just out of high school, so I might have been 18. I just started putting songs together, and um, it kind of makes me think of a documentary I'd seen with Glenn Fry talking to Bob Seeger, and he was asking him, like, how do you write songs? And he's like, well, you just sit there and you really try. And he said, your first songs are going to suck. Like, there's no way about it. Like, they're going to be bad. <laughs> yes. Um, for me, it was just going through the motions. Like, if I knew, even if I knew a song was bad as I'm writing it, I'm like, I have to see this thing through to the end. Because if I don't, I'm just hitting nails in halfway. And, mm -hmm. you know, what's the point of that? So I was probably, you know, about 18 or so that I started kicking around different ideas for songs and um, starting to piece things together. And it was, you know, just like I said earlier, you know, you practice something long enough, you're bound to get decent at it. Not that I think I'm this mind-blowing songwriter or anything. I'm just... I'm a plumber who plays music on the weekends, <laughs> but, um, you know, it was one of those things that certainly the more time you invest into it and into the craft, you get better at it. So, and that did come a little more natural. So, so you, uh, went to Shippen, Shippensburg, dipped your feet in, headed out. Uh, what then you're, you're a plumber now. Yep. Is that the route you went or not immediately? So I actually, I did a lot of stuff, man. I, uh, my family's always been very blue collar. I mean, my br oldest brother, Josh, was the first person to ever graduate from a college in our entire family history. So like that, that was a big deal. And um, my dad had a plumbing and he or still does have a plumbing and heating business based in Mechanicsburg, Jeff Wilber Plumbing and Heating. And, uh, you know, I'd worked there on and off growing up, you know, just doing all sorts of stuff, especially in the summer when school was out. And when I came back from that, I ended up working like in a warehouse doing some jobs. I worked as a butcher for a while. I was a waiter at one place. I worked general construction in another place. Um, I lived in Chattanooga, Tennessee for a while. You know, I just kind of bounced around and just kind of felt out, you know, what worked for me then. And then even there was a little while too, where I played music full time and, you know, I sustained myself, you know, well enough to get by and do that. But I found with doing music full time, at least to this capacity in Pennsylvania, that I'd, I had a lot of downtime and I needed something to fill out my spare time. So I do part-time jobs doing whatever. And um, then I just kind of settled into the family business probably eight, nine years ago. And I, I honestly do like it, man. You know, I like working with my hands, figuring problems out, you know, that kind of stuff, interacting with people. No, no two days are ever really the same, but yeah. That's always fun. <laughs> uh I, I would be a plumber if it weren't for the dirtiness. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there are some days where you're just like, oh my gosh, why am I, what am I doing? Here? Yeah, right. Why, why? Why did I do this? So you started up your, your band in 2013. Mm -hmm. And what, what year around, how old were you around then? I was probably about 20, 21. And the band kind of came around by accident, as did a matter it? of fact. So it was about that time that I was getting songs together. And I had maybe, I don't know, five or six songs that I felt like, all right, these are good enough to at least stick my hand up to the world and say, hi, I'm, I play music in the area. And if you like what I do, then you should come see me sometime. And I wanted to get them recorded to have a demo to be able to pass out to different venues and places and just try to, you know, get my feet wet. And I went to see Jason Schaefer at Full Tilt in Mechanicsburg. And I went there. And I also at the time was working at a music store and I went there and I 
recorded these songs, acoustic and vocals. And he said, well, all right, we have this stuff down. What do you want to do? Because I thought, well, we should try to church this up a little bit, maybe add in some lead stuff here and there, or just accent some things, make it sound a little bigger than just me. And um, I met a guy at music store who played drums. And I said, hey, you want to come down and do some drum stuff on here? And he came down and played drums, which, you know, I got to commend him. It's recording a record in the entire wrong order. Like we did the vocals and the guitars first, and then we added drums to it. But like, you know, he just laid right in there um, and did a great job. But he did such a good job that once the drums were in there and you have the guitar and the vocals, it was like, well, now we got to make this sound like a band. So we got to redo it all. We, yeah, we brought bass in from, you know, another friend and brought another person in to do pedal steel, a guy named Henry Kasser. Um, And we had this like record. And I talked to these guys back in the music store and I was like, well, there's this bar up in Duncannon called Tubby's. It burned down now, but I played up there and I was doing some acoustic work. And they said, yeah, you know, if you want to release this record up here, then, you know, come play this show. And I had the record, but I was like, well, this record sounds like a full band production, but it's just me. Like, I don't have a band. Like, am I just going to go up there and do these by myself? And I thought that was kind of goofy. So I turned back to these guys. and I was like, hey, like, you want to go play a show like you just want to try it out and they said yeah you know so we got together and learned some uh all the music off that record learned some other songs too and we were trying to come up with a band name we're like what's our band name gonna be i'm like i don't know and um the promoter kept getting a hold of us and was like guys we need a name we need a name and eventually they were like dude it's your music on your record let's just call it the colt wilbur band and i was like okay i mean if you guys are fine with that we can do that and so that's kind of how the band started so how'd it go? Where'd you guys go from there? Yeah, um, we had a lot of fun, man. I mean, it was a lot of fun. We had a, a great reception up there, and we got more work out of that. And it was just kind of one of those things where we looked at each other and said, man, was this, is it, you want to keep doing this? And everybody just kind of nodded and said, yeah, this is fun. So um, we booked plenty more shows, I mean, all over the place. And uh, we, in those first couple of years, did like a Battle of the Bands thing at the Hard Rock out of Baltimore and won that. Um, really what yeah, was that, that was, like that was cool man so yeah we played down at the hard rock in harbor and um it was all different genres so like and a lot of the bands especially with it just being a hard rock bar to begin with like there were rock bands and everything then here were like these country, country guys walking in we're like hey, country hicks up, around. yeah <laughs> and like i'm pretty sure one of the bands that was competing with us that night like in this green room area they partitioned off in the restaurant like they're putting on eye makeup and other stuff and we're just kind of standing there like are we with your cowboy hands yeah, do, and did we did we sign up for the right thing boys right. like what are we doing and uh yeah we ended up winning that it was kind of kind of crazy but we um also did some other competition based stuff there was this thing called the american country star competition i guess it was kind of like some american idol based nashville thing we went down and did that we got second in that nashville um and we just did some traveling playing music you know all over the place man that's where we played and you know tennessee down on broadway quite a bit we played you know in maryland we played all over pennsylvania um gosh you know like the reverb and redding uh crock rock blarney's um which that bar changed like names 15 times but um <laughs> everywhere really i mean we were busy a lot so and so how long did that last till are you still doing that now or is that yeah so um you know we, we've still been doing pretty much a lot of the same stuff we've always ever been doing just playing shows where you know people hire us and where we go and 
Um, we did release another record back in 2015 and, you know, through the years, members have come and gone, but, um, you know, we released a record called heart of stone back in 2015. And that was neat for me because I mean, I've only ever been used to playing live. Then if you go to a studio, I mean, it's a whole different type of performing and it's a whole different, you're really under a microscope kind of deal, you know, live, if something gets messed up, you just kind of brush it under the table and you might be no the only person, anyway. right. Yeah. But in a studio setting, I mean, you are under a microscope. I mean, every little thing. And, you know, going into that record, it was like, okay, well, now we get to do a record right. Because last time we recorded it backwards and all sorts of, you know, and we recorded that record as well at a full tilt with Jason Schaefer. And um, that was a, I'm really happy how that record came out. That was a great record. Great performances all on it by all the members alike. And um, that led us up to you know, five to actually, no, seven years later, we did another one. So, yeah. So tell me, I mean, you've released three records uh, a lot of time between each of them. Mm -hmm. How do you have, a, how have you seen your songwriting grow? Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's funny because I kind of, I, th I thought I'd seen something once with Sturgill Simpson talking about that. And I could, I didn't know what he meant when I had read that, but I related to it the older I got. And he, he was speaking about releasing his first couple records and, you know, Sturgill didn't start his career till he was in his mid late thirties and he wrote and did a couple records and he kind of came to a pause and, uh, he was talking about how, well, I had to, I had to live life because I had to get experiences and mm. I can see like my songwriting kind of mature because being a young kid, I look back on some of the songs and some, I'm, I just get embarrassed to even hear. I'm like, Oh my gosh. And then as I gotten older, you know, I, I think I've grown a little bit, have some life experience that I can really put into some songs that, you know, other people can relate to or seem to enjoy. And, uh, that's certainly helped a lot. It makes things more relatable. And, uh, so in that regard, I'd think that music became a little more relatable and more mature as I've gotten older and just had life happen to me. So, so we have a few of your songs here today. I would like to play a few of them. Yeah. What song do you want to go for, for first? uh let's do pretty big deal there i guess the title cut off this newest record so tell me about it yeah so pretty big deal this was a song that i've had in my head the idea at least for a couple years and it was something that holds a lot of personal things and within my life to it um one thing i was talking about earlier was our family our family being blue collar but another thing about my family is we're all kind of dirt track racers if you would so uh, my grandfather back in the 60s bob wilbur he raced silver spring speedway and he raced this old chrysler and it was black or i i'm told it was like a dark blue by my dad or bearing people say black or blue but he raced back in the 60s he was a track champion for two years my uncle steve raced most of my life and still is racing i'm sh pretty sure he's racing the night somewhere um, and then my brother and I raced. So, I mean, it was one of those things that racing has always been intertwined within my family's kind of history. And growing up, I really took pride in that because, you know, there is, I think, a racing community and, you know, people that really are a fan of that kind of stuff. And I mean, it might not seem as prevalent right now because technology kind of boomed, but like I'm talking to maybe the, the folks that were born and grew up pre-technology to where like, you know, the racetrack was a pretty big thing back then. And I got stopped so many times growing up being like, you're a Wilbur boy, aren't you? You're Bob Wilbur's this, or you're Steve Wilbur's this, or you're Jeff Wilbur's this. And it was one of those things I had taken pride in. And, uh, you know, 
but at the same time i realized like man i might i might be the only person that thinks that's cool but to me it's a pretty big deal so that kind of came that idea um and there's also parts in there about my dad and i just look up to my dad so so much in so many ways um and he always made time for all of us growing up and you know doing things like fishing and hunting and you know being at every sporting event while running a business and raising a family i mean and i've always really valued that so there's you know some references to that in there about he and i going fishing and uh the one year we made the paper uh which that sounds like the most like country thing ever like i was in the paper for catching a fish <laughs> and like um and there's a little bit in there too about my personal life but um you know i, I stopped uh drinking two years ago or it'll be two years here in august but i put a little bit of that in there and just coming back to you know these are things that might not seem like much to other people it might not be that relatable to other people but to me they're a pretty big deal and that's kind of how the song came about well let's give it a listen this is pretty pretty big deal by the colt wilbur band To the square in town, the rumbling dirt and bored out steel. Rap race to Chrysler, a black 59, track champ at 68 and 69. They never stood a chance when he was behind the wheel. It may not seem like much, but it's a pretty big deal. It's okay to own a mansion and drive a fancy car But you can't buy the little things that make us who we are Picture that was packed away of me and dad fishing on opening day. We made the front page of the paper that year. Tying up flies on the back of his truck. He never let it show when I got one stuck. He'd hook up a trout and always pass the reel. It may not seem like much. It's a pretty big deal It's okay to own a mansion And drive a fancy car But you can't buy the little things That make us who we are a little off track the weight of the world carried on his back he picked himself up 
And you put that bottle down I've been thinking about a woman and a couple of kids Taking them fishing like my daddy did The things I've been missing don't change the way I feel It may not seem like much But it's a pretty big deal It's okay to own a mansion And drive a fancy car But you can't buy the little things That make us who we another thing that was a pretty big deal for you on this was that it's your first official music video yeah yeah it was uh it was kind of funny how that came about because that wasn't ever really on the docket so to speak for the release of the record um originally whenever we had gone in to do this record we anticipated releasing it in the fall of 2022 uh pre-holiday season of everything and you know, life happens and, you know, deadlines get shifted this way or that. And especially with something as personal as music, you know, you don't never really want to put a deadline or pressure on that. And, you know, you fight to make things as best as you can. And uh, we had everything done around early October, but we decided to wait till the new year to release it. Um, you know, and that, that gave us plenty of time, you know, between beginning of October up till, and we didn't even have a date in the new year when we wanted to release it yet, but I just thought, man, we're going to have, you know, all this music ready, you know, just sitting here and we're not going to release it for like six months or so, because, you know, you don't want to really try to compete with Thanksgiving and Christmas and, you know, all this stuff. And, you know, the thing you really don't want to see happen as a band or as an artist is you release music at an inopportune time and it just kind of gets swept under the rug and people mm -hmm. don't care or um, just have too much going on to where they really can't, you know, see what's, going on with you but um yeah so i uh was thinking about it and i knew i wanted to release at least a single or two leading up to the full album release and i thought well you know let's let's look into maybe doing a video and um i didn't know who to talk to so i, I hit up logan sumi over at rock mill industries because i knew they had a video department and um you know logan said yeah we used to do that uh but we don't really focus on that end of the business anymore but I really recommend this guy named Josh West. Mm -hmm. And so I looked up Josh and he has a company called J ball productions. Um, and his portfolio is amazing. And I was a little concerned at first because Josh's portfolio was mainly metal bands, like pretty hard metal bands, like the stuff I used to listen to growing up. And I was like, this stuff's really cool, but, um, you know, I wonder how we're going to do country. Translate. Yeah. Yeah. So, but Josh was super cool because, you know, he, he didn't blindly just accept, the work like he wasn't right. just like yeah i'll take your money and whatever you want to do and i'll do whatever you want like he he uh he asked that we talk on the phone first and just kind of feel each other out you know so i could see if he and i jive together and vice versa and for him from an artistic expression if this seems like a project that he's going to find exciting and can do a way that right he'd be excited about too and i don't know we talked on the phone for about an hour and um, we didn't even know what song we wanted to do. We were just talking about like, Hey man, I got 14 songs on a new record. I'd really think 
I really think that I'd like to do a a video of one of these songs. I just don't know which one. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I told him about pretty big deal, just like I did, you know, just now with you. And uh Josh was, you know, really, really eager to do something with that. He said, because he said, I feel there's a story there. He said the best best thing we can do with a video is tell a good story in a visual perspective. Right. And um Josh really did a great job with that. I mean, not only the you know, the shooting of everything, but we also put in some clips there of uh racing from my grandfather from back in the sixties, which I didn't even know existed. Oh know? wow. Um we were talking about shots of everything and he said, Do you have any home videos or anything like that, maybe of him racing? And I thought, gosh, like, you know, you're talking about the mid sixties, late sixties, like who's gonna be carrying around a video camera in that time period? And if you do, like what quality of footage are you gonna have? Because you're talking about like, you know, the eight millimeter you know, kind of footage. And, uh, we found some, and I mean, that, that was really special because that to see like my grandfather actually racing this car that I've grown up seeing in so many pictures and paintings. And, you know, there's little models that people made and, you know, to see him actually doing that, it was just kind of one of those take your breath away moments. And, uh, you know, so we got to put some of that there coupled with some other home video footage that kind of tie into the song. And Josh just did an outstanding job. You know, he he really couldn't have done a, any better of a job. And, you know, I hope to work with Josh again here in the future on some other work as well. So uh, that's what other what other songs would you want to turn into music videos? Do you think it's that's tough? Um, You know, I'd I'd sent a couple to Josh. And again, Josh got excited because we do have a couple story oriented songs, you know, on the record. And, uh, you know, one song's about a guy whose family gets mistreated working for a coal company. and kind of back in the days where you didn't get paid in money, you got paid in credit from the company. You could spend that at the store. and Which was also owned by the company. Right. Yep. So, I mean, it was kind of like the, the biggest Ponzi pyramid scheme ever. Yeah, but big like, banana republics. Yep. Yeah. So um, there was a story about that, how this guy's dad dies. They throw his family out and he grows up, gets older, comes back and works for the company, gets this manager kind of that fired his dad way back in the day and said his family, I get this manager to himself. And he, he kills him. So yeah, is that a true um, story? Is that a story you made up? That was one actually. I can't claim 100% credit to that one. That was a song that my guitar player Ronnie Rhodes had written back in the 90s. He recorded it, and I was always obsessed with that song just because I thought it was it's neat. You know, you don't hear songs like that. Right. And I know it sounds dark and morbid as all get out when that's we say country. it like that. That's, yeah. That's... So I mean, you know, he said I'd I'd really like to hear your voice on this song and. uh we ended up taking it and it didn't have a course at the time. So we wrote a course for it and put it together. And Josh really liked that. There's also another song on there called Becky and Paco that is funny because that is not country at all. Like that song, if anything, it kind of sounds like Austin Powers, like man, really? like sixties man, of mystery kind of stuff. Um, there's some surf rock vibes in there. And there's a kind of a funny backwoods, Louisiana Hicks story in that one. That's kind of unique. And so I really don't know if we were to do another one, because there's so many options to choose from, but like those two would be leading candidates. Um, there's another one about like an outlaw kind of group of guys and you and your buddies are outlaws and these guys are getting ran down by, um, you know, I guess U S marshals and that kind of stuff. So that could be a fun story. Is that living on the run? Yep. That is living on the run. Tell me about that one and the running process for that. Yeah. Um, so the record, you know, as a whole, I guess, you know, this would kind of explain how we did the whole record too. So, at the end of 2021, I guess it would have been, yeah, uh, we were 
I was sitting at Ronnie's house and big riff studios in Mechanicsburg. And we were talking about the upcoming year and just kind of looking at the previous year we just had. And we were just thinking about, you know, what do we want to do? Like what direction do we feel we're going? And we've been really wanting to do original material again, because like you said, it'd been a long time. And, um, we just felt like it was something we really needed to do. We thought this will be good for us. This will be good for the band. Let's, let's start the first Monday of, 2022 we're going to get together twice a week we're going to write two songs a week and we're just going to write as many songs as we can so we kind of see have, what cuts yeah yeah we're going to write and i don't think we set a cap on that i think you know we kind of both understood if we had 16 to 20 songs written then out of those 16 or 20 we're going to choose the best whatever we want to record and really focus our energy on that so ronnie um is an amazing amazing guitar player and he has done so much throughout his life back in the 90s he was on a national tour with an artist named michelle wright and he was touring all over the u.s and lived in nashville and you know lived in california at that time so he you know he really did the real deal thing and um you know owning a studio as well i mean he's always working playing guitar and he had a couple song that he had over the years that he wanted to bring up for consideration and we essentially would just get together you know once a week or twice a week, I'm sorry. And each guy was kind of responsible for their idea. Or sometimes you could have a full song written. Some kind it would sometimes it would just be what we call like a seed, just a concept or an idea for a song. And um, you know, if we liked the way the seed or idea felt, then we both dive in right there and write the whole thing out. And you know, we never really focused on, oh, this album has to have this many style songs, or we have to have this sound or anything. It was just we like all these different things about music and we're just going to try to write the best songs that we like that we can and that's kind of how we approached it so whenever it came to living on the run i had this guitar riff that i did on an acoustic guitar that ronnie really liked and he brought up you know some drum programs and everything we just listened to the guitar riff against the drums and i'm like what do you feel when you hear this and he said i kind of feel like an outlawish you know cowboy kind of song kind of deal and i'm like you know i kind of have that same feeling too Let's say I was listening to it. it sounds like a like a like a train song, like right? Yeah, Johnny Cash exactly. Song. So you know that really you know birthed that kind of idea for that song. And um, you know it's funny how songs like that can happen because we've written songs based starting with a lyric or a phrase, or sometimes you have a piece of music, a chord progression, or maybe a guitar riff that inspires a certain feeling or direction. And there there's really not a set way that we ever did that, but that's how that song came about along with all the other songs, you know, it just came with, Hey man, do you have an idea or what's your idea this week? And then we run with that. And that's how we did the whole record pretty much. Well, we're going to take a listen to living on the run and that is by the cool Wilbur band. Yeah. you pay living on 
and the times were lean. Mr. Handed over, he said, you want to dance? That's when he pulled that 45, he never stood a chance. I could hear them cross the plains. They got us 10 to 1. Guess that's a price you pay. Godforsaken dirt is where you're gonna die We're all boxed in from every side Boys, we got a choice and a minute to decide I turn back to my friends You know we've had our fun And that's the price we pay on the run by the Colt Wilbur band so tell me what's next for you guys you just released this record what's coming up for you well April is going to be a month of acoustic shows and uh, I'm playing tonight as a matter of fact at the Blue Sky Tavern with Ronnie uh, it's going to be a nice duo show uh, I'm also going to be at Flinchies this month and uh, there's going to be a great benefit for uh, Leukemia Lymphoma Society that's going to be happening in Mechanicsburg but as a year on the whole I mean it's going to be a lot of the same old same old work just blue collar band playing all over the place and having fun and liking to meet people. So if you guys are free, come on out to a show. And you can find that schedule, I'm sure, on your new website. Yeah, yeah. So we have everything you know published on our website as far as scheduling. But just this year, we launched our first official store, if you would. Um, and there we have all of our merchandise available. You know, we have our hard CDs for Heart of Stone, pretty big deal. And we got some other merch that's going to be coming out through the summer season of everything here too. So um you know if you want to have some colt wilbur swag i guess colt wilbur band swag and check out our website coltwilbur.com and we're going to go into a time of just general questions i like to ask all my guests if you have a question for colt be sure to leave it in the comments and we'll definitely get around to it so i gotta know what are some of it you have uh lived a lot of life in between uh your first beginning and uh, even your midpoint with 2015 and now what is one thing that you wish you knew when you first started? Hmm. Man, that's a deep question. Um, I don't know. I'd, I'd probably just say that, you know, stick true to yourself and what you really love about music. You know, I, I've seen time and time again, uh, in country especially, because that kind of became cool again, I want to say, you know, in the 
2010 ish era. And, you know, it seemed like whenever that trend came out and things became, you know, pretty poppy, everybody was jumping to country music, which, you know, is mm-hmm. neat to see country, you know, get that attention. But everybody was trying to sound like the guy who was a hit on the radio. And then that guy would die out. And then something else would come along that everybody was trying to sound like that guy. It's like, as an artist, your biggest thing you should try to focus on, I feel anyhow, is being the best version of you, whatever that looks like. Like, don't go try to sound like this person. We already have this person. Yes. And that person sounds like that. So, like, be, be you. We don't have that yet. No, absolutely. I, that's 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 a total common theme on this podcast is the best way to do music is to be you. You don't want to be anybody else. You want to be Colt Wilbur. There's already a Florida Georgia Lion. There's already... Yeah already whatever other uh music uh, whatever uh that you can you can name any any of them there's already that and they're yeah. probably the best that that that's ever going to be right and you never become number one if you're following number one right right you're always following if you're going to do your own thing you'll probably get recognized for doing your own thing right you know absolutely right i mean you know you don't go out and try to reinvent the wheel like the wheel's been pretty good for a while we don't need another one <laughs> No. Yeah, go out and uh, invent hover technology. Yeah, do that instead. Yeah, be that guy. So, what is one of the best pieces of advice that you have ever been given, or that you would? Uh, well, I guess we kind of gave an advice. Yeah. But what's one of the best pieces you've ever been given? Yeah, I'd I'd probably say you know like I guess what we were just talking about is just you know stay grounded and true to yourself. You know what's that old saying? To thine own self be true. Mm. And you know I think you're 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 gonna really appreciate what you end up producing as you know a result of that but you know especially as you get older there's so much value and peace of mind and you know being able to sleep easy at night you know and feeling good about you know what you're doing with your life and who's around you in your life and you know if you're true to yourself and um you know how you go through your life and the decisions you make you know i think that's that's worth its weight in gold to do uh, we have a, a question from, and I'm sorry if I mispronounced your last name. This is uh, from Debbie Cassatt. <laughs> Who is your favorite country music artist? Ooh, that's tricky. Um, I have plenty of people I like for several reasons. I was going to say, yeah. I, uh, there's one guy that I really like out of Kentucky. Uh, he's had a long, long career. He's still performing. I think he just played the Sellersville Theater not too long ago. His name's Chris Knight. Um Chris has been a singer songwriter for gosh, probably the last 25, 30 years. And he writes some of the best songs that I've personally ever heard or just that I really like. And I like it because it's not predictable, stereotypical, you know, country, like I'm down with my blue jeans in the moonlight and I'm feeling just right it's with a Bud Light. You know, yep. it's nothing like that. You know, it's, it's very unique storytelling and really pulls you in. You know, he has so many different songs and his voice is very unique. Um, so I really, really like Chris Knight. Um, there's other people I like for their guitar abilities. Like I've, I've always loved Brad Paisley because he's an outstanding country guitar player. Um, you know, it just depends or like, you know, Southern rock, Blackberry smokes a huge one for me. Um, but I'm also a metalhead too, man. Just growing (laughs) up. Like I love James Hetfield and Metallica, you know, right. It's just how I'm feeling, you know? Uh, here's a question. If you, um, would you ever be interested in, in smashing the genres of metal and country together? Yeah, that, that'd be really cool. I mean, I, I can say I've kind of seen that happen before. Um, there's a guy, actually, his name's Hank Three, and you know people might 
be familiar with him from Hank Williams Jr. or Hank Williams saying, Sr. Yeah. It's his their grandson or his son. Really? That's cool. Yeah. And Hank three, you know, he he's always been really cool because he played metal growing up and he's just a really, really big fan of music of any kind. You know, he he loves punk and metal and he he kind of created his own genre. And I mean they call it like a hellbilly genre, but it's a mixture of like <laughs> so metal, punk, you know, straight up country music, you know, and it's just you know, some of it can get pretty aggressive. Some of it's pretty traditional, but it's all over the place. But it's definitely a, a very unique sound, you know. So, yeah. Okay, so we have another question from Kristen. I'm sorry if I messed up this name as well. Uh, Shavert. Okay. Kristen Shavert. Oh, what is your favorite song to play? Ooh, that's tough. Um, Right now, you know, with a new record out, um. We're slowly adding those songs to our repertoire to play mm -hmm. at shows, but I really enjoy playing Stone Cold quite a bit. Um, I think that song really came together nicely in the studio. It translated well with the band. Um, you know, and it's exciting for us because it's a new song and it's a new song of ours, but I'm really happy with how that registers. You know, and it, it feels good too because the times we've played it since the record came out, it shows you can see the crowd response to it. And you know, whether it be somebody getting up out of their chair and dancing or, you know, you see somebody intently watching or they might, you know, if they're uh, still hanging around, they might come up and say, hey, what was that song? Or, you know, so that one's been a favorite of mine to play at the shows as of late. I think someone is calling you out. Oh, uh, yeah. Kathy Wolf, are you ever going to finish <laughs> Rhiannon? Uh, Rhiannon. Yeah. yeah, we uh, we do this instrumental uh, called Nervous Breakdown. It's a Brad Paisley instrumental. And uh, we started out with kind of the um deliverance kind of banjo and then uh i kind of go off track and i play rihanna by fleetwood mac just the intro of that and uh, i know kathy's big fleetwood mac steven x fan i am too but uh you know as soon as you start that guitar riff you know people start cheering real loud so i know she she wants to hear the rest of it but <laughs> i don't know if i could pull off stevie kathy i'm sorry we'll so, see one of the other questions and we're going to get to stone cold uh soon what are Another question that I like to have is what are some of the biggest mistakes that you've made maybe as a musician and how can we curb that for the future generations? Ooh, I think one of the mistakes that I've made any more than something I wish looking back on the last 10 or 11 years, gosh, how long has it been? That's what happens when you get old, man. Um, <laughs> is that, you know, there certainly has been a break in time from records coming out. You know, I did that first one the reckoning back in 2013 the next one came out 2015 which you know two-year gap not too bad and then this last one came out you know some seven years later and uh you know life was you know all sorts of different you know growing up in my 20s and mm -hmm. um i really would have liked to have probably put out either this record or even another record you know in that time so there wasn't so much of a lull so i'd especially say if you're really focused on building a career in the original music scene and you know, you really got to be on it, so to speak, and, you know, keeping your material out there and relevant and, you know, promoting yourself and circulating material to keep, you know, audiences interested. And I mean, we've been lucky in that regard. We've had, you know, great support uh, with our shows and all of our music. And um, you know, I've really been thankful for that. You know, people have been really kind to us. So we have a few more questions here. We have one from Diane. Uh, <laughs> who has influenced you the most? In terms of music oh wow um that's tough i mean i think when it comes to 
you know, music, I often think about my grandma. Uh, her name is Joanne Wilbur, and she played a piano, and she supposedly used to play an accordion too. I never got to see her do that, but um, when I was a kid, I remember she had she had one of those Yamaha pianos, and it was neat because it, it had the keys that would light up. Like you could say, "Hey, play this song," and the keys would light up. Oh, that's so cool. if you were trying to learn, you could say, "Oh, I need to press this key because it's red," you know, instead of that's white. Really and cool. You know, she would play music and, you know, have a good time dancing and making us laugh. And my uncle would tell me sometimes, and, you know, some of my other family members are like, man, you know, she would just, if we're out at a show, they're like, man, she would just love this if she was here or could be here. And I thought, yeah, you know, that'd be cool. So um, I'd say influence wise, you know, I, my, my family really do a great deal to influence me, especially with writing and my close friends. Um, musically, gosh, that could be anything. Um, when it comes to country music, I just really like uh, music that doesn't really follow that formula of, you know, we're going to try to, you know, hit a demographic. Yeah, it's like we're not trying to make a hit. We're just trying to right. make music. Yeah. You know, I, I really like the stuff to where you can tell it's just a group of people or a, a singer songwriter just making the music that makes sense to them. And I think that's always been pretty easy to spot versus, you know, somebody who just wants just to, to be in an ad for Chevrolet, you know? So. So that kind of stuff. Uh, you like you've been writing a lot of story-driven music. Is that kind of the path you think you're going to go down? And you mentioned about uh, having so much of a gap between releases. Are you working on something new? Or I think for this year, I mean, I'm not saying I'm not going to be writing this year, but you know, we're certainly going to be performing and pushing the new record. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's funny as I've this whole past year, I've been listening to a lot of different genres. 70s being one big one so i've been listening to a lot of bands like head east and jackson brown the eagles the cars um and you know a lot of singer songwriters too like almost folk like so anything from like jim croce gordon lightfoot towns van zandt blaze foley um i think it'd be really neat to do like a, a broken down singer songwriter acoustic style record mm. i think that'd be a fun project to undertake because you get to present music in a whole different way you know, you're not focusing on making things necessarily big and boomy with a full band production, but you still want to sound full when there's ways to do that. But I really think it really highlights details in those kinds of presentations. So that'd be pretty neat to do at some point. Well, if you want to follow Colt and all of his antics, you can go over to <laughs> ColtWilber.com. Yeah. Check him out there. And this has been the story podcast. Don't go yet. We're going to still listen to Stone Cold in a bit, but we just got to do our outro first. So my name is Corey Rosen. This is the Story Podcast. If you want to help support this show and uh, you like what I do, please be sure to share, like, follow, subscribe. It really does help out. And what you can do if you want to find out more about me and the work that I do, you can go over to CoreyRosenProductions.com. That's C-O-R-Y-R-O-S-E-N Productions.com. You can find out about all of my original work as well as the stuff I do on the podcast and all 149 uh, episodes beforehand upcoming. This Monday, we have Amber Nadine. She is a incredible acoustic act from, from uh, around the area. And Tuesday, we have Cody Smith, who is a choreographer, because we like to do we like to delve into all sorts of uh, aspects into the music industry. He is a performer, director, choreographer. He works at the college here and has worked in a lot of spaces. He's been on Broadway, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He's a very accomplished dude. And then this Saturday, we have Home is Where the Art Is, which is a uh, a project run by Amber Nadine, who wants to create a song cycle space, a space for musicians to connect, 
kind of what I'm doing, but in a physical space with multiple people. <laughs> so I'm really excited to talk to her about all of that. And if you want to be a part of what we're doing, we are ramping up production on our songwriter studio, which is a, a show where we're bringing three to four other artists in the area and we're going to cram them in here and we're going to force them to write a song within an hour. Ooh. Yeah. That'd be fun. Nice little challenge. Nice little uh, drama TV reality <laughs> yeah. thing. So I'm really excited to get that started. So if you want to be a part of that, that's on the website. We are also ramping up our single reviews and album reviews where we select uh, singles, three singles from the community at random. And I'll, I'll have another I'll have another co-host, another random artist in, in the area. We'll go through, we'll provide constructive criticism for your singles or your album. And you can also, so you can submit that through the website as well. Just gives you a nice little play time and gives a little bit of thought from other experienced musicians in the area. Um, with all that said, we're going to get to Stone Cold. Tell me about Stone Cold. Yep. Stone Cold's that nice family happy tale about uh, back in the days of, you know, wherever you worked for a coal company or mining. I know people in Kentucky can probably relate to that. Uh, you worked for the company and you got paid in company, you know, credits that you spent at a company store. You were kind of, you know, in a slave like setting almost it's, it's imagine if amazon owned a, a town today and every single utility was run by amazon every single house was run by amazon yep. yeah it, it's it what is those corporate towns that they used to call them yeah yeah yep i used to be up upstate up up northern pa too yeah mines. oh yeah yep and uh you know so this takes the premise of that and this family had a father who worked in one of these uh, towns like that he ended up passing away from actually you know getting sick from coal mining black lung and uh you know once you're not working for the company you know you're living in their housing you're you know you're worthless so they kick mm -hmm. you out and it takes place from the perspective of one of the children of this family you know watching his mother work hard and trying to raise them and how much animosity he had for this guy that owned this coal operation so he grows up and ends up going back there gets a job there and he's getting a tour of the mine by this guy and he ends up hitting over the back of the head with a shovel. And yeah, you'll hear the rest. But it's a nice Sunday Easter song. So yeah, hope nice you guys Sundays. enjoy this. <laughs> but that's that this is Colt Wilbur, uh, Stone Cold. an old miner with lungs as black as coal he'd load 16 tons every day before he headed home to that one room shack that sat up on the hill every penny that he earned went to pay that company bill stone cold mama's in the kitchen tried to feed the family Four brothers and two sisters without enough to eat. She said, I'm sorry, or still hungry, there just isn't any more. Your daddy's out of credit at the company store, Stone Cold. Don't go digging in the ground.
brothers and two sisters, a lost and lonely wife. I stood before that boss man with a letter in his hand. You got 48 hours to get off of my land, Stone Cold. Grew up too fast and got a job to feed the family. I moved away and that was that, but nothing's as it seems. Well, I went back down with a hard hat and a shovel in my hand. I held wanted sign, I got in line, said, Mr. I'm your man, Stone Cold. Don't go digging in the ground, neath that Harlan County town. Stay out of that mine, ain't no telling what you'll find. Some stories are better left untold, Stone Cold. My shovel knocked that boss man to the ground. Then I carved my daddy's name into his no good sweaty brow. And I kicked him down a hole so deep he never would be found stone cold. For months and months the town was full of all men snooping around. One by one till they were done they sat those miners down. You know a coal mine throws an echo for miles beneath the ground. Though he begged and pleaded for his life, nobody heard a sound. 